0: I'm glad to be here. Uh, an interesting topic, how to build a um, successful team, right? Because the team is not here, it's just me. It'd be better if they were here, up here, and they would say, no, you know, get someone else to teach us this thing, uh, not you, Howell. But I'm glad for the, the gentlemen that we have, the ladies and the men. Uh, we have a Christian school there as well and have a, a few employees, more than some places, less than other places. Uh, we are blessed with a few things that I think mark, um, maybe some marks of a su- successful team. One, there's good collaboration. In fact, the men this morning had a staff meeting. Typically, staff meeting is our Wednesday, our church day, and summer, or the, during the year. It's Wednesdays and Tuesdays during the summers. And I was gone, and they said, hey, we're going to have a staff meeting without you. And I said, great. And I got a great report that they had a great time, and they got lots of things done and accomplished. And so I was glad they could work together without me kind of like steering the, the operation. Uh, we have a great time just laughing together and generally being around each other. Like the, the team there, the guys and their wives and the teachers, um, the men and women who clean the buildings, we have fun together. Like we laugh. They are my friends. Uh, they're the ones who will come and say, listen, Pastor, would you pray for this? And I'll pray for it. And vice versa. Hey, will you pray for this? And I know what's happening in their lives. And we've also been blessed having been there for a while and now uh, having people around for a while to have longevity. Uh, We've had uh, the the, uh, other staff member who's been there longer than me, who's on pastoral staff, has been there now uh, right around 28 to 29 years. And he transitioned with me and stayed on staff to work for me. We were just the best of friends before when I was on staff there for 17 years as an assistant. And uh, very close. And I didn't know if he would stick around or not. I wasn't sure if he would make that transition because that can be kind of a difficult transition for someone. uh, But he is great. I don't know what I'd do without him. I mean, he is, he is uh, just a key part of the team there. And so if I can, just take a few moments uh, to share some principles, not that I am a guru, I would not present that in any way, shape, or form, some things from the Word of God, some practical things, and then absolutely leave some time for questions. Uh, Brother Bundy will be up here as well. I understand that in this current day, it's great to hear some truths, but also to say, hey, what about this? Um, here's a certain situation, a certain scenario, any thoughts and if we can be help, uh, then we will like to do that. Let's begin with a word of prayer, then we'll look at the word of God. Lord, thank you for loving us and thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for this great conference and all the challenges, Lord, um, just a renewed fire for soul winning, Lord, for uh, personal accountability and blamelessness. Lord, thank you for your grace. And, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Lord, my heart's been stirred and and I've been challenged. And, Lord, I pray that as each of us head back to our different places of ministry and service, that we would take back those truths. Lord, that they would be evidenced in our life and the actions would accompany what you've done in our heart here. Lord, thank you for this time. ask for your help and your blessing. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. I would encourage you in this session, if you can take away even just one, just one thought, that's kind of how I approach most sessions or things. Often I'm hit with many more, uh, but if I can walk with just one, sometimes it is like, and this will not be one of those, but sometimes even like last night with Brother Paulie, it is like a waterfall of information or waterfall of, of thoughts. And I'm like, you know, in, in this whole conference, you walk away and I have a whole list of ideas. Uh, my guys call me and the secretaries call me an idea person. I have a whole list of things that to implement would take me at least two weeks. Um, And that's if they'd work night and day, but more like, you know, five years or 10 years. And so if I can take just one or two and get going, that'll be helpful. So today, that same thought. If you start here, there's some problems that that can come about um, with teams and pastors and churches. Uh, Some problems that I've observed that I've heard about uh, that have caused probably as well. Uh, Number one, the first problem is this, that pastors often become managers of teams, but seldom have experience. In most businesses, in most business models, someone who manages goes on a specific track, a managerial track, they'll have some training, they'll have some help. Often pastors, uh, if they're in in a small work at first, a small church, they're there and they look around, they're like, man, I'm overwhelmed, I need to hire somebody. So they look around and say, listen, I'm gonna hire a often youth, music, media, dot, 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 dot guy, right. right? Whatever it is, and all of a sudden, the pastor now becomes manager, and uh, one who has maybe been managed doesn't know always exactly what to do, but then says, boy, I've got someone else, and they'll start to off initially just unload and say, listen, this is great, I'm glad you're here. Can you take over the Sunday school department? And the new hire, the new the new guy out fresh out of college, perhaps is like, boy, this is awesome. I'm in ministry. And the pastor's like, okay, you're doing Sunday school. Hey, by the way, we got a youth group, so make sure we want to build that. And of course, um, every other church is running a thousand teens and the youth activities. And so, you know, even though uh, the, the church is not that big, expect you to run a thousand teens there. He's like, this is great. And he's like, hey, we got some special music coming up. Can you work with all those groups? They're like, great. He's like, hey, we got to get the uh, the website updated. And I know that you can operate a website. Can you do that too? Great. And before long, he's got all these things and there's not a successful team happening, but there's someone who's like anything they think of is like unloaded on in a minute. And then you have this new assistant who becomes very quickly overwhelmed. And all of a sudden they start to get discouraged and depressed and they think, boy, I'm, I'm worthless. You know? And then those thoughts creep in, well, I'm the one doing all the work, which is not true which is not true, they may be doing a significant part or a good part of the work, not doing all the work, uh, but all of a sudden we have a problem where it's not a successful team, where the pieces could be there, uh, but we've let some things slide in and the the pastor who became the manager didn't have any experience and just thought, boy, this will just work out this way. Number two, a problem is pastors can sometimes adopt and, and more often than not, unfortunately, adopt a leadership style that is contrary to growth and enjoyment. Thorterian, lack of appreciation, zero helpful communication does not produce an environment and a team that enjoys serving God together. They might enjoy serving God, but not together. Ideas are, are squashed. Any kind of questions are instantly just rebutted and answered. It may be age old, age-old adages. And now there's not an environment for success, and the team is not successful. Third problem is sometimes pastors are unwilling to allow a staff member to flourish in their responsibilities. They hire this young man or this couple Boy, they're just on fire. They're talented. All of a sudden, the pastor gets nervous. Oh, my goodness, this family who I, say, I led the Lord and I married them, all of a sudden, they really like this this couple right here, and, and uh, they like them more than me. And so I can't have that happen. I, I can't have them flourish because, because the pastor is ultimately insecure. It can't be this new couple coming into church, and all of a sudden this, this young couple has new couples coming in, and the pastor's like, well, what's going on? And, and so they're unwilling to let someone else accomplish anything because of insecurity. They're unwilling to let someone else shine because that's just not the way that I've done it for 25 years or 10 years, whatever it may be. Or because they're a micromanager, and boy, if I let go the reins of this, then it's going to be done differently and may not be done as well the very first time. I was privileged to work with with Pastor Olette for 17 years under his leadership, his authority as pastor. Many of you know him, some may not, and he's a great man, a great leader. He's not perfect. He's not perfect, and if you want to know his flaws, you won't hear them from me, but I worked with him, but I was glad to work with him. He had a leadership style that's a little different than mine, but yours is probably different than mine as well. He was extremely with us, hands off. Obviously, because he traveled around the country, 60 to 65 meetings a year. Uh, I remember early on when I first got there, he had just hit platinum status on Delta. And then uh, from there, it was diamond and beyond um, every other year. He was just traveling around the country, which meant he was in the office. When I got there, I prayed and I asked, Lord, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, could I be a Joseph in this ministry? Where Joseph, you remember, in Potiphar's house, nothing went through but Joseph handled for Potiphar. I said, I can do that for Pastor Ouellette, and pastor gave me a lot of liberty inside of that. Good and bad. When it went south, he's like, hey, why'd it go south? At <laughs> the same time, I didn't have a, a phone call every three and a half minutes, like, hey, did you remember the red, the red table clause? Um, different, different leadership. But one thing that, I, that, it, that was invaluable that I learned, and I am so thankful for learning this lesson, is Pastor Olette's security and leadership. And this, if, maybe this will just be one small takeaway, um, but security and leadership. He was not afraid for people to be close to me as an assistant pastor. Started off as youth pastor, and I went there. When I went to First Baptist Church, I had prayed and said, Lord, help me to stay there a long time. I, in college, had heard this particular statistic that the average time of a youth pastor was 18 months. Now, being a little farther down the road, at first I thought that was because they were jumping ship because of the church, but now I wonder if it's because of leadership. Just to be honest, um, after fielding a number of phone calls from young men, like, hey, what do I do here, and directing back to their pastor. 18 months, and I said, Lord, help me stay. Help me stay in, until you move me. I want to stay forever if I can. I remember when I hit the 18-month mark, thinking, "Like, boy, this is nothing. And then from, from youth pastor to, to school administrator, and then now to the, to the senior pastor. Pastor encouraged, allowed, and wanted us to have close relationships. He said it was good if someone called us first before him. I remember as a young man thinking, well, this is kind of neat. As a pastor now of, of, of the church, what a blessing. That now one of my staff members can receive a call at 1 a.m. and my phone doesn't ring maybe till, till 4 a.m. And they can be helped, not because I want to shrink my responsibilities, but because now the, the, the load is, is spread around. And one thing I learned from Pastor Lett, I'm so grateful and try to emulate uh, in my leadership, is the ability to let to let people flourish and prosper. Let them have uh, the people they love. And My guys preach fairly often at church. I love preaching at church, and so it's hard for me to say, but I, I want them to preach. And when they preach, I have people come up, and, and they're thankful. And they're like, oh, Pastor Goldemez, Daniel Goldemez, he's my favorite speaker. And it doesn't offend me. It doesn't offend me. If, if I have to be the pastor and everyone like me the best, it's going to be a really small church. And the work of the Lord, last time I checked, is a whole lot bigger than J.D. Howell. So a few problems. Let me just look at Scripture. And then we'll get uh, to some practical things and then to the time to ask some questions. I looked at the Scripture to see, does Scripture weigh in on leadership? and It absolutely does. It does in some major passages, but I looked at three different leaders in Scripture that I wanted to point out just briefly to us today. And uh, the Bible talks about some of their leadership among them. The first one this morning is Solomon. Now, I understand that Solomon had many, many issues, and I'm not trying to give you uh, an analysis of Solomon's whole life. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that the wisest man became the most foolish. They have that much wisdom and reject it all is, by definition, foolishness. But one thing the Bible points out to us in 1 Kings chapter 10, the Queen of Sheba had heard about Solomon's reign and his wisdom and came to check him out. 1 Kings chapter 10, it's on your paper there, and when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions, that there was not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom, and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, I mean, that's everybody. She saw the whole operation. From the top to the bottom, Solomon in his glory and his wisdom, she saw the guy scrubbing the toilets. When she had seen all of that, there was no more spirit in her. In verse 6, she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men. Successful team, is it not? Right? Happy are thy servants, successful team, which stand continually before thee. And interesting, this last little phrase is what what captivated me. Not that they were happy because when they stood before him, they saw the wealth. Or because they had the the generous gifts of the king and the food and all the, uh, the, the things that were brought for every single meal. And the measures of fine meal and the flour and all that. Not because of that. Not because there was peace in the land, though God had blessed them with peace, but the Bible says, they stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. And I would submit that Solomon demonstrated, of course, God-given wisdom. Solomon demonstrated wisdom that was contagious. His wisdom fostered a team that was successful. Happy are they, men. Happy are their servants. They stand before me, and they hear your wisdom. Leaders that have God-given wisdom will have successful teams. Or a little more practical, if I can. A little more practical for those of us who maybe want it on the bottom shelf. No one wants to work for an idiot. Maybe you have worked for an idiot, not pastor, but maybe just in a job. Um, In college a few jobs and I can remember one boss in particular that I'm thankful I don't work for to this day I was a boss in that situation I don't have time for the whole story uh, for sake of time but it was um, a lady that I trained to be my boss who was shorter um, one year older and then became the manager after I trained her and so she already had maybe some insecurity in that and it was rough it was rough no one wants to work for an idiot all right, now, I didn't make it easy for just on a side note, if you want to know true transparency. But my Bible says, you say, Pastor or J.D., you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. My Bible says in James, if any man lack wisdom, if any man lack wisdom, right, read all leadership books. Is that it? Now, those are helpful. I read them. I read them. I highlight them. I go back over. I my guy's reading them right now. But is that what the Bible says? If many man like, listen, let him ask of God, which give it to all men, liberally, and it not. It's kind of a side, a side note, No couple of illustrations here inside of this. I don't know, and I tell the guys on any given day, I'm pastoring now, a senior pastor, three and a half years. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, just a little while in, we had this thing called a pandemic. I'd never pastored through a pandemic before, neither had anyone else in the country. Pastor Lett, is in his gracious, kind, um, optimistic self, he's like, you know, Pastor, he goes, you're doing a great job, doing a great job. He patted me on the shoulder, he's like, and I'm so glad it's you and not me. <laughs> <laughs> I call him regular. Right? we talk regularly, we're texting back and forth, and, and uh, we, we joke back and forth. And he'll say, oh yeah, that's a problem, that's a big problem, he'll give me good advice, that's a problem. But God gives wisdom. First day they shut down in Michigan, Governor Whitmer, is our governor there, not nearly as bad as Governor Newsom, but but by far not not a saint like Governor DeSantis, something like that, Governor Whitmer shut down Michigan. And uh, I got a phone call that afternoon from a lawyer uh, down the state and said, listen, we wanna sue the governor and we're looking for one church. And we think you're the church to do it. And so let's take on the governor and let's turn this thing around. And uh, my personality, if you spend time with me, will know that I'm up for that. All right, I'm not looking, looking for that, but like, hey, why not, all right? This we're supposed to do. Uh, one little problem, I uh, opened up my Bible. I started to read the Bible and I was on the road preaching a revival. And when I got this phone call and I sat there in Peter and Romans and after I prayed and asked the Lord for his wisdom, the Lord said to me, he said, take, take a step back. Like take a step back. Now that's not the path for everybody was for me, was take a step back. It was just a day later that I received a phone call uh, from at that time Speaker of the House and the attorney for the Speaker of the House at the same time and uh, said, listen, they said, listen, JD, nothing to worry about. The governor's going to say this, just so you know, and there won't anything, nothing will happen to churches in Michigan, all right? She has said she's gonna stay off the churches, though she's gonna spout all of these things, all right? Literally nothing will touch you, said, okay. And that proved to be the case. Brother Levesque, I mean, for us, I mean, they said this, I got one call from the health department one time in Michigan um, one of our members had tested positive right in the middle of this thing and, and the health department lady had called Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and I had the secretary put her off and I said I'll call toward the end of the week and then they Wednesday they called and said you have to call and we're gonna shut you down. On Thursday they called back and said would, he, would the pastor please call back and so that's when I called back Thursday afternoon and the lady I expected a little bit of a tussle. lady was real kind and I prayed for wisdom said Lord give me wisdom. lady was like you know pastor there's a there's a lady in your church tested positive and we just need to know um, you want you to be aware of it and we need to quarantine everybody in the church and you know, there are thousands. She said there, the lady said there were thousands there Sunday morning. And I thought, wow, I like the way she counts. So <laughs> I like that. And uh, I said, okay. I said, well, ma'am, I said, um, uh, obviously, I said, you probably can't tell me who it was, can you? Now, I already you kind know, of knew who it was. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. We can't tell you who this was. I said, she goes, that, that's a privacy policy. I said, I understand. I said, well, thanks for doing your job. I said, it's a thankless job. I said, and I appreciate, and, and I will make sure that I tell everybody that was around someone I don't know to quarantine for two weeks. She said, that's great. Thanks, Pastor. Have a nice day. <laughs> so I did. I looked around and said, I don't know who to tell, but I'll tell them to quarantine. Wisdom. Through that, the, the Lord helped build our team together, and it was the Lord's wisdom. I can't claim anything. We're navigating these, these things like everyone else in the country, and the Lord gives wisdom. But through that, our team grew together. We grew, and... Part of it, I mean, part of it was they're like, Pastor, that's a good decision. And I'm like, if it's a good decision, it's him because I don't know what I'm doing. All right? Number two, so we keep on moving. Number two, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. What a leader. What a leader. I love Nehemiah for his vision. Man, Nehemiah just had the vision to go back and build the walls. I want to just point out, I'll read just a couple verses, not all of them. And it came to pass, verse number one, that when Sanballat heard that we build the wall, he was wroth. And took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Slide down to the very last verse, verse number six. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together into the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Nehemiah, just three thoughts here, had strong opposition. Strong opposition. We're going to have opposition. There's going to be people who don't like it. They're going to post things on social media. In fact, that was something we're dealing with this past week where someone's unhappy. And I, and I, I don't follow a lot of it. But people in the church like, want to tell me what's going on. They're like, hey, pastor, did you know? I'm like, well, now I do, and thanks a lot. Um, but there's always opposition, right? You can't move forward in the Lord's work without opposition. But Nehemiah had strong faith and a strong response. In the midst of struggles and opposition, a true leader will demonstrate clear vision and lead by example. I love the fact that Nehemiah, his vision was like, we're building the wall, and then he jumps on the wall and starts building it. He had the vision and the clear example. He didn't just say, hey, you guys, get up there. But he, he jumped down there. Go, going back to a little bit of, of, of COVID, because sometimes in opposition, people have the ability or have the reaction just to be frozen and shut down. Like, uh, 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 what do we do? One thing the Lord did for us that we're just still using to this day, the very, that very first uh, shutdown time was about three weeks before Easter. And one of my staff guys comes and says, pastor, could we get on TV for Easter? I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you call the station? They come back and said, yeah, we can get on three stations if you want to. And we had two, at this point, two and a half weeks to get this out the door. Now, we'd never been on TV. We'd live stream for probably 15 or so years. But TV's a whole different ball game. And so now we're trying to figure it out. I called the station and I talked to the production manager. And he's like, and I'm like, what format do you use? What's your audio format? Closed captioning. He's like, everyone knows that. Click. I'm like, well, that's great. My mom teaches at a local community college. And I called their production department, and they were a little more helpful. And I said, guys, all right, we're going to try to be on TV for Easter. Let's see what happens, all hands on deck. And it was a two and a half weeks of long hours. But I'll tell you something that happened. The Lord did. Like, we came together, and that was a win for the cause of Christ and for the team. When we watched that, and we watched that first production like eight times in a row before we launched it, and, I um, mean, we could quote the whole thing. We're like, wow, look what God did, and look what you know, the Lord helped us do through effort. We sweated and, and stayed up late. From that, we're now able to be on TV every week. They came back and asked if we wanted to be, and now we know a whole lot more about that. But sometimes in those times when God gives some clear vision and example, it builds a successful team. Now, maybe it's not TV. It could just be a win on putting something back up, but, but the Lord does that. The last one is this one, so we can get to some practical things as well. Jesus. Jesus won't take the time to read that in Matthew chapter 26, but it's the, the account of where his disciples went and he asked them to pray with him. He had a simple request, watch and pray with me for one hour. And of course, what did they do? Yeah, almost well, most they failed. They failed repeatedly. All right, so what happens when someone fails? What do you do? Well, this is what Jesus did. He had understanding, it's letter A, Letter B. Explanation. He told him, "Watch and pray; you enter not into temptation." He didn't just say, "Hey, just pray." Everyone knows you got to pray. He said, "This is why don't pray because I need you to pray. You to enter temptation." He explained some things. It wasn't just a byway or the highway, and of anyone and Jesus Christ could have said that, but he had some explanation, and then he had letter C: patience, patience. He dem- leaders demonstrate patience and understanding for growth and maturity. A couple of years back, um, I had a particular staff member who was really, really struggling. And by struggling, I mean that they were not accomplishing and completing any task. Brother Gillett. Um any task would be like about a 65% completion. All right, which is no completion. Um, timing was was terrible, meaning that hey, this is time I want you to arrive, and 15, 20 minutes late or whatever would just be. Uh, would be common. Uh, the interaction, communication between staff and other staff members, they were frustrated at this particular individual because they'd ask for this. Or because often in our team, people have to work together. And somebody provides this part, someone provides this part, and there's one loose, loose cog there, it's a problem. And they were letting everybody else down, Everybody else was mad, and they are like, what's so-and-so doing? And, and so we had, we had a heart-to-heart. And the Lord used some of this in my heart to help this particular staff member. We went to Applebee's, that's my typical thing. We'll go out to lunch or coffee and say, listen, here, here's where we're at. Either it changes, all right, or you have to leave. It's the option we have. So, but I want to be patient, help you. And I was so grateful that this particular staff member, who was still on my staff, who was here today, would tell you the story himself, um, allowed us some instruction, allowed us some explanations, some patience. We restructured his life, and now he's extremely profitable. One thing I told him that day, I said, I can't wait for the day that so-and-so, another staff member, comes to me and says, my goodness, this guy is so valuable. Couldn't do it without you. The staff member got a tear in his eye and he said, I I want that as well. And I remember the time that other staff member came and said, boy, so-and-so is so valuable. When other staff members came and said, boy, so-and-so is just crushing it right now. I went back to this one staff member who who had been struggling, who needed some understanding, some patience, all right, some explanation, some demonstration, and help. So let me just give you some practical ways. We'll get some questions if we uh, last a little bit. Just four things to kind of help us maybe structure how we ought to lead. Number one, we ought to lead by the golden rule. So simple, so basic, but treating others, doing it unto others what we want done to ourselves. I don't like being yelled at. You? Yes or no? Shaking Randall? rattle? No, I don't. I don't like get pulled over by an officer and he'd be a first-class jerk, right? Now I'm thinking, like, though he has the authority to do that and be that way, I'm like, well, who who died and made him, right? I mean, you know, I justify myself then, right, just like you do. So make sure that you and I lead and speak to others and treat others, those who work for us or with us, just the same way that you and I. Or I would say this way in the vernacular, No one wants to work for their mother. Maybe you do. I love my mom. Love my mom. She's in Puerto Rico right now, and uh, hurricanes going through. My grandmother's there not doing well, but she's in Puerto Rico. I don't want to work for her. I don't want to work for her. You know, moms, sometimes they're they're great, and they, they heal everything. Sometimes moms can nag. My mom's wonderful, but sometimes, you know what? So treat others, lead by the golden rule. What style of voice do you want? I ask my, my guys this, what's a great method of communication with you? Now, I don't have to ask that question, all right? I, I could just say, listen, this is how I'll communicate. You deal with it. But I don't want that. I had this conversation one of them last uh, few weeks ago, maybe two and a half weeks ago, who's having a little trouble with communication. I said, what works for you, all right? And he's like, well, could you do this and this? No problem, no problem. Now, one, it helps me stay humble, too. Why do I get to dictate every form of communication? Because I'm the pastor? Right, is, is that why? I don't think so. All right, so lead others by the golden rule. And I promise you, if you do that, that is, it's reciprocated. Like very quickly, others are like, oh, let me treat him like I want to be treated. Right, we can lead. This helps build a successful team if we do that. Number two, practically, lead by providing honest evaluations and feedback. Now, I say this, uh, and I have said this to Pastor Olette, so this is not a secret. If he was here this morning, I'd say the same thing. If there was one thing I wish Pastor had given me for of, more of, it's feedback. If you know Pastor Let, he is one of the most gracious men you'll ever meet. And I would often go in his office and say, Pastor, how am I doing? Anything I can work on. Usually the response was, you're doing great. And I'd have to beg and plead. When we transitioned in the pastor, I said, Pastor, now I want you to tell me if you see something, I want you to tell me how I'm doing. He looks at me across the desk and his office is next to to mine. And he said, well, he said, you know, you'll probably have to ask me. And I said, Pastor, with all respect, and he's like a dad to me, I said, Pastor, with all respect, I'm asking you right now, please tell me. All right, now I I can get it out of him now, I drag it out of him, I drag it out and he'll tell me. Um, And I love that about him, he's so gracious, if you talk to him, he'll say nice things about me, they're not all true, don't believe him. but, but, but he'll give me honest evaluation, i have to, I pull him out. I try to give some of my guys you know, the, the feedback that, that they need, that, that I want as well, back to that kind of gold rule thing. We do every year, at least once a year, uh, we do evaluations. And I have a form that I have them complete, all the guys completely fill out. And the secretaries, the administrative assistants also fill out. And then I fill out the same thing on my end, and then we come together and look over. It, and there's questions like um, people questions, relational questions. How you doing in church? How you doing in personal walk? How you doing in communication? How you doing in your particular area of, of leadership or service or responsibility? And rating, uh, you know, you're, you're doing well. And I try to be honest with it. If, if they're doing great, say, listen, you're crushing. I mean, I, I couldn't even do better myself. And and boy, you're just you're you're a superstar. If they're not saying, listen, how can we how can we shore this up? Um, It's one of those things, I heard this a long time ago, that most of us, if not all of us, have a desire to know how we're doing, but are often too afraid to ask. Like, okay, was it good? Yes, (laughs) okay, good. So give that feedback, honest evaluation feedback. Listen, you're doing great. Normally in these conversations, the areas that perhaps they need to shore up a little bit, perhaps weren't quite where they're supposed to be, they already know. I say, we need to work on this in our area. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But now it opens up dialogue. Now I say, listen, well, let me help you through this if I can. Let, let's talk about this. Rather than just stick our head in the sand and say, or get frustrated, like, oh, I wish so and so would fix this problem. They can't deal with anybody, they can't deal with volunteers. We'll have the conversation. And, don't, and, and, and before it's a problem, before you say, listen, you've got to change it right now. The staff member who had problems, uh, we'd had many conversations before that. It came down to a point where, listen, you got to choose one way or the other, but it shouldn't just be, now that we have a major malfunction, now I'm hammering you, because then people work in fear, like, uh-oh, if I'm talking, if I'm talking to the pastor or the boss, I'm going to get my head ripped off, because there's no good things along the way. So, some honest evaluation and feedback. Number three, lead by fostering an environment, fostering an environment for open communication. And this... I can say with Pastor Lett was one of his, besides the other, was a great attribute of his. I could ask anything. Pastor, why'd you decide this way? I can think of two, two times, and I've told my staff and, and, and Pastor knows this. two times in my time working at First Baptist Church that I, that I could have left. Had no desire to, but there were two different things that had happened to Pastor Lett made two different decisions, and I remember the decisions, that both in my mind I could not get through and I could not find a good answer to. Both those times... I knew that I had the platform to go talk to pastor. Then he wouldn't just attack me or kick me out the door. I mean, invaluable. So I sat down. The first one I said, pastor, can you help me? I see this decision and I'm really struggling. I must be missing something. That's how I tried to approach that. I'm not, I didn't go in there saying, pastor, what did you do? What are you doing? That's not the right approach. And I said, pastor, help me. I must be missing something. He said, thanks for asking. Here's the situation. He opened the door a little bit, if I can, and explained five or six other details that all of a sudden clarified the whole decision. And I was glad that he did that, and that I had the platform to ask that. I said, "Great, done." bow the door. And um, the other time, I asked the pastor. I'm just a little struggling. Here's the here's a question I have to have for you. And he said, "You know what? You're right. I made the wrong decision." Well, that's okay. I make the wrong decision lots of times, don't you? I mean, that's okay. I'm not like, oh, wrong decision. I knew it. I'm out of here. No, no. He said, "Oh, my bad. My mistake. I'm sorry." But he had the place where I could have open communication. I tell people this in our young couples for marriage, um, as we lead staff, in staff, and homes, a- a- any place in our school. Have the place where you're fostering, right? fostering open communication. Right spirit, right attitude. But you can ask. Whether I teach a senior Bible class, and I love it. I tell those seniors, and often Friday is Q&A day. They say, seniors, you can ask me anything. And this is, if I can, to borrow Planet Fitness' phrase, judgment-free zone. Every once in a while, you get the bad attitude, but they learn pretty quick. Wait a second, Pastor Charles is not going to laugh at me or mock me, and they'll ask me questions all over the place. The staff—they know. Ask me if you don't understand something. I'm not going to be mad at you. You may still not like my decision. I'm not maybe change my decision, but f- please, please, before you get too frustrated, before you get too irritated, and you're and you're about to leave, right? Just come and ask me. We can talk through it. And that takes that takes developing. Doesn't just happen. So, foster a place for open communication again with husbands and wives, you know, and, and just on the side note in the family, it's huge for the wife to be able to say to the husband, hey, what, what's going on here? It was a while back, my, my, uh, it was a Saturday night, and I was cranking on the kids, all right? Because every good dad has a crank on the kids. My son, James, with me today, my middle son. I got an older son, Johnny, and a younger son, our younger daughter, Danielle. Cranking on the kids, you know, brush your teeth. Like, I mean, just kids need to be cranked on sometimes, right, James? Right? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's, good. that's right. Kids go upstairs. Doreen's like, honey, honey, you're really cranking on the kids. You know, well, no, I'm not. I'm the dad in the house, all right? Someone's got to lead this home, all right, and make sure these kids follow the Lord. But she was right. Absolutely right. I was like, honey, you're right. So on that Sunday morning when the kids came down running downstairs to see us, I apologized to them, said, listen, was cranking on you. But it takes... A developing of open communication and I'm not perfect for sure I'm not trying to present that idea but I do think it's, it's a key to have a successful team if they have the ability if your team team's ability to come and say listen can I just ask you a question and, um, and let's be willing to answer it and if we're wrong if I'm wrong taking it you're right that was terrible it's the worst decision I made all day I am sorry I have found from Pastor Lett and personally that people don't get upset over that they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, we knew you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Everyone knew it. But sometimes, right, as leaders, we're like, well, if I admit I'm wrong, I lose all my authority. You know, they won't ever trust me again. They'll trust you less if you can't admit you're wrong. They'll trust you less. Fourth, lead, and there's all these little blanks here. Um, lead by these these different, these different blanks. One is patience. Lead with patience. I'm not perfect. Neither are you appreciation just let me just note there if yellow note there, appreciation uh, make sure you commend people who work for you commend their work commend their ability commend their character commend the extras and it is easy to commend people I am not perfect, but I try uh, very hard to commend to the staff and people. And I, it, like, from the pulpit, hey, so and so, youth pastor did a great job. That was great. Man, look at those, those screens up there. Media's doing a great job. Personally, I'll send texts. We had a special event a couple weeks ago when I sent out texts to everybody. I called them and said, listen, great job, great job. Um, character, just like, boy, I appreciate your faithfulness. Not just the work. I want to know, like, like I'm glad that they're, they're men and women of character. Like, thanks for being faithful. Thanks for being kind. Um, The extras, boy, I saw you stay late the other night. Thank you for that. Appreciation. I read a LinkedIn article, and they said the number one reason that people leave their job, this is secular, is not because of pay, because of lack of appreciation. And as a pastor, hopefully I could maybe just get some appreciation and invest. I'll throw money sometimes. We took a staff retreat this past year, uh, first one for us, and went, went out of state and spent a little bit of money on it. But the investment that I got, the return, I asked the guys and said, listen, uh, here's where we're going. Tell your wives. I want them to come. No excuse for no one to be there. I said, I want everyone there. I'll give you six months in advance. Clear your schedules. If you're not there, I did tell them, I said, if you're not there, all right, then you are probably looking for something else where to work. I said, that's how important. I don't, I don't say that often, but there are certain things that are like high on my priority I said, listen, this, this retreat is important. They all showed up. Um, of course, they, they were going to. But we had a great time. And they, they walked away saying, Pastor, thanks for, for dumping money in this thing and spoiling us in vast appreciation. Next blank, leadership. Be willing to make decisions. When you want to have a successful team, you got to make decisions. You can't be frozen in a decision. Um, I've unfortunately encountered this, not with Pastor Lev, but, but sometimes I'll get a phone call like, ah, oh, what do I do here, here? Listen, make a decision. When a businessman in my church. Um, commented he said you know what I appreciate about you pastor that you'll make a decision because the worst decision is usually no decision all right with the Lord's grace we just we we make a decision and with his wisdom um, we won't make a decision it can freeze a team when they can't get decisions what do we do here ah let me think about it all right well now they're spinning their wheels they get frustrated you know I'm not saying just make snap ones but make decisions and be a leader set the vision um for for the church Next blank, protection, lead with protection. I'm not trying to hide behind the staff. I've got their back. I'm Puerto Rican, all right? I'll swing for them. Now, serve the Lord must not be a brawler, but you I, I, I get my idea. Like, I'm a loyal guy. Now, I can't, I can't protect stupidity, all right? But beyond that, listen, I love the staff, and I will take the hit for them. And because of that, they often will try to take the hit for me. But I'll take the hit for them. Listen, be mad at me. They come in the back door and help somebody. I, I want to protect them. You know, I'm not going to hang them out to dry. Like, listen, we're, you know, uh, I've, I've got their back. And um, it's protection for them. And last is respect. Is that your last blank or the two more? Okay, last one is love. Love, but the respect one before. I, I respect the, the men and women the Lord has given to us. Boy, they are smart. They are well-adapted at what they do. Um, boy, they bring expertise to the table that I don't have. I'm thankful for that, and I respect them. No matter what their ages, I've got I've got some staff members who were former students who are my youth group along the way, and I treat them just like the gentleman I work with who's been there for 20 plus years. All right, they have the respect. If I hire them, I think they're they're great. One thing that I've done is uh, every once in a while, and uh, fairly regularly, we'll get a call. Hey, can I talk to so and so? about come to work for me here and there, and. Um, the staff, the staff will come to me and say, Pastor, what do you think? I say, listen, we'll talk through this, but you pray about it. You've got to follow God. I respect your walk with God. And I have often said this statement to them. They know it now. I said, if you can't figure out what God's will is, then I don't want you here anyway. You've got to walk with God. All right, not that I, I said, I don't want you to leave, but I, I trust you. I respect that you walk with God. You have that relationship. So we'll, we'll, we'll give you some thoughts, but I respect you in this. And... Uh, Boy, each time they come back, they're like, Yeah, hey, we're still staying. I'm like, Praise the Lord. I didn't have a starting to figure out what to do without you. So, there's, those are my thoughts. There's uh, about 10, 12 minutes there. Brother Bundy.